Welcome to the Answers from Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Lalone. In each episode, you'll hear from leaders across the world. You'll hear their struggles, their thoughts on leadership, and a parting word of wisdom from each guest. Are you ready to hear Answers from Leadership? I hope you are, because it's coming at you right now. Today's guest is Jenny Catron. Jenny is a writer, speaker, and leadership expert committed to helping others lead from their extraordinary best. Jenny's passion is to lead well and to inspire, equip, and encourage others to do the same. She speaks at conferences and churches nationwide, seeking to help others develop their leadership gifts and lead confidently in the different spheres of influence God has granted them. Additionally, Jenny is the author of several books, including Clout, Discover and Unleash Your God-Given Influence, and The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership. Outreach Magazine has recognized Jenny as one of the 30 emerging influencers reshaping church leadership. Jenny, what else do you want listeners to know about you? Uh, Joe, thanks for having me on today and for that great introduction. But yeah, I think the thing that I am the most passionate about, it really is leadership and helping uh, leaders understand the importance of their influence and then learning to lead from their extraordinary best. And so if I can encourage leaders to understand and really embrace the place that God has put them and uh, the gifts that God has given them, and I feel like I'm living out the calling uh, that God has on my life. Great. And as I've done these podcasts, I found out leadership looks different to different people. How would you describe leadership? Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, that's one of those things that I've wrestled with for a good part of my life. I'm one of those kids that was always put in leadership positions, you know, from an early age. And probably even before I knew what the leadership word was, it was, you know, being put in places where I had responsibility to help lead others, you know, and leadership at its basic definition is influence. And I think that's an important place for us to start in understanding what leadership is, because influence by definition means the power to change or affect someone. And when you think about those words, the power to change or affect someone, like that's a big deal. And all of us can probably think of somebody in our life who radically affected us or changed us and maybe for good or for bad. And that's why the word leadership is so important to me is that there really is a sacred work we do when we lead others in that we are changing and we are affecting people. We're affecting their lives. We're affecting their uh, who they are as an individual. And, uh, and that's just really important work. So that for me is like the core of leadership. And really my passion is to help reclaim the word leadership to have a level of integrity about it. Because if leadership is influence, well, a lot of people, most of us have influence. And in fact, I would say all of us have influence to one degree or another, but there are people who use that influence poorly. And I would rather not have the word leadership tagged to those who use influence poorly. I would love to see leadership really um, associated with those who steward that influence well. Yeah, I can agree with you that there's those people who lead really, that lead poorly. That's a scary thing. I mean, it is a scary thing. And we can look throughout history at, you know, some powerful, powerful historical leaders, some that use that influence for good and some that did not. And you know, history tells those tales. And so, you know, my passion is to say, how do we really help people understand the significance of their influence and equip people of integrity and great character to really lead in that way? So 
uh, that's just kind of my personal passion is to is to almost see the leadership word reclaimed for positions of influence uh, for good. And it's awesome to see people like you out there trying to reclaim the word leadership for what it should be. Yeah. So we yeah. appreciate the Thank work you. you're doing. Thank you. And I know you just had a new book released, The Four Dimensions of Leadership. What are the four dimensions of leadership? Yeah, yeah. So I the the book was birthed from, you know, I've led and worked on um, uh, leadership teams for, oh, almost 20 years, I guess. And, you know, part of that time was in the corporate world. I worked in the music business in Nashville, Tennessee for about half of that time. And then I've worked in ministry for the other half of that time. And in both cases, I recognize just how important leadership is. And particularly when you're leading a team of staff or a team of volunteers that, you know, there's, there's just a lot of responsibility that goes with leadership. But what I often found was that, um, you know, leaders would lead you know, from in different styles and different dimensions. So you, you know, in the corporate world, I'd have people who were super strategic. It was all about the bottom line, getting stuff done, you know, very strategic leaders. And then in ministry, I would often see leaders who led with a lot of heart and a lot of soul, um, but they didn't, weren't always great at actually getting goals accomplished or moving the ball forward, so to speak. And and so I wrestled with this. I felt like it was both, you know, like I felt like great leaders, extraordinary leaders would learn to lead, you know, from what ended up being the four dimensions of leadership. And I would, I would do this with myself and I would do this with my teams as I would say, okay, we have to learn to lead relationally because relationships are so critical in leadership. It's all about people. Leadership is all about people. So we really have to lead relationally. We, those of us who are people of faith really need to lead with a spiritual eye in our leadership of, you know, how are we caring for people? Um, how are we attending to, um, you know, our own spiritual growth and development? And not only just our spiritual growth and development, but even our character and our integrity. Those are spiritual pieces of who we are. And so those things matter deeply to leadership. Then there's the strategic side. We do need to get stuff done. You know, that's part of why we're in the roles that we're in is to help like move a mission forward. And then leaders also need to be visionary. They need to help paint the picture of where we're going, why we're going there, help people see the hope for a future. And as I began to, you know, just keep working with those four dimensions, then I, and I was studying, you know, different leaders throughout history and scripture and uh, I came back to the great commandment where Jesus says, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And it kind of piqued my interest because I thought heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why does Jesus like, he could have just said, love the Lord, your God. Like that, that is the great commandment. Love the Lord, your God. But he, he says with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as I studied some different like resources and commentaries on that passage, what I drew what I took away from that was that in that passage, Jesus is saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, because those four things comprise our total being. Like that's our whole being. That's all of who God has designed us to be is heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so right there were the four dimensions. Heart is relational leadership. Soul is spiritual leadership. Mind is strategic leadership. And strength is visionary leadership, because without vision, what people perish. So vision gives strength. So I framed all of that because I think, again, for those of us who are believers, you know, if um, if leadership is all about people and the great commandment is love the Lord your God and the second commandment is love others, 
then as leaders, we should be loving others. And if we're supposed to love God and love others with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then when we're leading others, we should be leading and loving them with heart, soul, mind, and strength. So it became a framework for me to help me just have a more holistic approach to leadership. And it's helped me lead myself better. And I believe it really is helping teams lead better as well. And in chapter two of your book, you talk about leading in chaos. Mm. Why is there chaos in leadership? Yeah, you know, I think this is one of the the biggest ahas in my leadership journey as a young leader was, you know, I'm, I'm a problem solver by nature. And I think a lot of leaders are. I think we're just wired to solve problems and to help, you know, clear the way and, and help people move forward. And I would get frustrated because there were always obstacles. There was always chaos. There was always things that were never, I couldn't ever get like everything settled, you know? And so I used to operate from this mentality. Well, if I can just, you know, if I can just get this position filled, then we're going to be good. Or if I can just get, you know, this problem over here solved, or if we can just get this budget you know, straightened out or, you know, you fill in the blank with that, whatever challenge it is that you're wrestling with in your leadership right now. And I remember, you know, there's just kind of a light bulb moment where I realized, you know what, that's leadership, like living in the chaos of, of things being unfinished or undone really is the task of leadership. Because as leaders, our responsibility is to go first. And I think we are supposed to be the ones helping kind of clear the way and make sense of the mess and, you know, just provide more clarity for the people that we lead. And so it was, it was just a, I, I, it kind of just let me take a breath as a leader when I realized, oh, you know what? My responsibility as a leader is to live in the chaos because in living in the chaos, hopefully I'm helping to um, solve some of those problems and clear the way that makes it a little easier for those I'm leading. Great explanation. I don't think a lot of us think about the fact that as leaders, we're supposed to go first and yeah. you know, resolve some of those problems before those on our team yeah. arrive. Yeah. I always, I, I don't know if this is a good or a bad analogy, but this is the analogy I use. I see myself as the person that's out in this like great big overgrown field and I've got the big machete and I'm supposed to be clearing the path, you know? And so it's messy as a leader, you know, it's chaotic, it's complex. It's, you know, it's not always fun because we're doing the hard work of going first so that we can help make the way a little clearer for those who come behind us. As we're making that path clear and we're living in that chaos, does it do anything to a leader? Have you noticed um, mm. any impact? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that I think that's why it's so important for a leader to realize chaos is where we live. Because I think for me as a leader, I would just keep getting frustrated and anxious about the chaos. And I would get, so I would, that would just take all of my energy and it would zap my energy because I felt like I was, I felt like things weren't as they're supposed to be. And there's a bit of that that you do need to live with as a leader is that you are trying to make things better. But when you can, when you can get comfortable with the fact that it's okay that like chaos is my, chaos is where I live as a leader, like chaos, complexity, problems, is is part of my job as a leader is to lead through those. So I think when a leader doesn't recognize that, then I think it just leads to lots of frustration for them. Um, and, and so I think that that's the that's the the dark side for a leader is if they don't realize that that's the reality, then they're really going to get bogged down by it, frustrated, probably burnt out, and quit. 
when a leader recognizes that, okay, this is my reality and it's my job, it's my task to help do something about it, then they're a little more empowered. You know, then they, they go, okay, this isn't bad or wrong, or it is what it is. And part of my responsibility, part of my job is to help clear the way. A lot of times I'll, I'll go to the story of Nehemiah from scripture. And, you know, in, in short, the story there is, you know, Nehemiah, he's, he's working for the king. He's actually not in Jerusalem. Um, but he cares deeply about his people, you know, he, and, and so occasionally he would just ask, how are the people, how are the people of Jerusalem doing? What's going on there? And, you know, he gets a report that the wall is still in ruins and it grieves him because he knows that the wall is an obstacle. It's a problem to be solved for the Israelite people because the, the wall represented strength, hope, you know, it was really a visionary piece for the future. But Nehemiah's road to helping rebuild the wall was a really difficult task. You know, there were lots of obstacles. There was lots of opposition and 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 when you read the story, just seeing his spirit and tenacity about it uh, is really inspiring. And one of the things that's really inspiring about that story is how many times Nehemiah goes to prayer, which is kind of a sidebar, but it it you know it's it's really fascinating to watch how Nehemiah navigates the challenge of this massive obstacle. The, the wall had been in ruins, I think, for like seventy years. So just his willingness to engage that complexity, to engage that problem, uh, is a is a great. I think a great lesson for us as leaders to look at somebody who navigated complexity with great perspective. Yeah, I've heard a lot about Nehemiah and, you know, he also faced other issues while rebuilding the wall. So yes. not only does he see that the walls are in ruins, you know, he has to deal with people telling him, come down. Yes. And, and you know, more chaos. I mean, he had, he had opposition from obviously the other political leaders of the day. He had opposition from the people themselves. Like they were getting frustrated and tired and, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, if you, if you go back and read the story through that lens, it's really fascinating because he did, he dealt with a lot of problems and challenges along the way and yeah, persevered. As we face these, this chaos, is there a possibility that we could mitigate or avoid the chaos or do you recommend facing it head on? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think every situation might require a little bit different approach. I think part of the complexity of leadership is that, that there's a big discernment piece to leadership and, you know, we can study and we can learn from a lot of people who have gone before us and there's wisdom in that. And yet part of the dynamic of leadership also is that we're, uh, we're discerning the right path for this circumstance, the people that we're leading, where God has us right now in this moment. And so there's a discernment factor to that. I do think that there are things that we can do as a leader in that um, sometimes we will be too slow or too scared to step into a situation as quickly as we ought to. So if you think about a lot of the issues that leaders today will navigate will be um, people issues. You know, there's a disagreement, there's a frustration, there's, you know, uh, you know, maybe a, uh, you know, I think of in ministry settings, there's often people who are, you know, on different sides of an issue. And sometimes as leaders, we will be slow to engage that because we just don't want to enter the hornet's nest, so to speak. And I think sometimes we can make the chaos worse when we're slow to react. You know, so if there's an issue going on, there's a conflict between two employees or there's a conflict between, you know, two different groups in, you know, in a ministry setting or wherever, 
that we can often be slow to engage that because we just, it, it's not any fun, you know? So I think sometimes we can make it more complex by being too slow to act. I think sometimes we can be, it can become more complex if we aren't listening well and really um, seeking to understand and discern the situation. Um, you know, and again, you've got to kind of look at the specific kind of problem that you're facing, but making sure you hear all sides of it or you see all the, all the like different dimensions or aspects of the problem, you know, so really it comes down to, we can either be too slow or we can be too hasty. You know, we can just run into something like a bull in the China shop and give too much direction before we've really got a healthy assessment of what the situation is or we can be reluctant and too slow. And so I think that we can mitigate some of the chaos if we're more discerning about the proper time to step into something. Um, so that would be my gut reaction to that without, you know, looking at a real specific example. All right, no, good answer. And how can we lead through the chaos? Um, you yeah. said not too fast, not too slow. Um, yeah. What does that middle ground look like? Yeah, you know, it, it really is, a, you know, again, because I'm a person of faith, that's super important to me. And I think I have to remind myself, you know, it, it's the danger of as a leader, we will often see the problem, we'll see a potential solution, and sometimes we'll just run to solving it. And again, this is where Nehemiah's story is so significant to me, because he really went to prayer first, like repeatedly, he went to prayer first. And I think that's important for us as leaders to just remember that, um, you know, we've got to be willing to not just willing, we have to really posture ourselves in a way that says, I'm going to, I'm really going to seek God first because I need wisdom. I need discernment probably beyond my experience, you know, like beyond what my, my, you know, a lot of wisdom comes from time and experience. And sometimes we need to make decisions without having the, the luxury of time and experience. And so, you know, really seeking God for that, I think is super critical and um, then we've got to kind of face our own fears because, you know, there will oftentimes be our own fears that are hindering us or holding us back. It's kind of when I said sometimes we can be too re- reluctant to step into something. So I ha- think we have to go, if this is where I, I often say, lead yourself well to lead others better. So we really have to go, what's going on in me? What's holding me back? Where am I afraid? And I've got to kind of deal with some of that stuff. And then I've got to, I've got to really inspire the team with hope, really cast a vision for the future and what could be and help people have courage to step into it. Um, so those would, that would be my recommendation and moving forward and leading through chaos. One thing I noticed you, you said there was that we get to learn about ourselves and what, what's yeah. going on inside. What else can we learn from leading in chaos? You know, I think that we can learn. Um, I think we learn patience in leading through chaos. You know, I think we learn that, uh, sometimes things take more time. Um, sometimes the outcome will be a little different than we expected. Um, and I think those are all good things for us to learn as leaders is, you know, just learning to be patient sometimes with process. Like there's a, there's a, we have to be faithful to do what we can do. And then we have to trust God with the outcomes, right? And so there's a, that's where, you know, kind of, um, our, our, our leadership and our responsibility kind of collides with faith in that there's, there's a lot that we can do. And then there's a lot that we have to just kind of trust and release the outcomes to God. And so there's a, there's a tension we're managing in there as leaders. 
Um, but yeah, I would say I think patience is a huge one in that we just learn to be more patient and we learn to be more um, understanding of others. You know, anytime we're leading through complexity, you know, rarely are we leading an issue that doesn't involve other people. You know, I mean, again, in leadership, it's usually there are people that we're helping lead and and walk through a situation with. And I think we learn a lot just about ourselves, about others, uh, that really serves us well for the future. I know that I don't have all the answers and I don't have all the questions either about leading in chaos. So I reached out to my listeners and asked them if they had any questions for you. Uh Um, And they did. Uh, (laughs) Do you mind answering a few of their questions? No, I'd love to. I'd love to. We'll see what, we'll see what we got. (laughs) All right, Johnny. The first one was from Rick Tooley and he had two questions for you. Uh The first one was, what are you currently reading? Ah, that's good. So right now I'm currently reading a book by Parker Palmer called um, Hidden Wholeness, which is really a self-leadership thing about just that really, you know, so it's kind of a spiritual um, reading just on the importance of like self-leadership and really having a good understanding of who you are. So that's, I'm in the middle of that right now. And then I just finished a book called Presence by Amy Cudi. Um, which is a really fascinating book, not a, not a Christian book, but just about the power of being present and engaged with, with people and with yourself, which was really valuable. Uh, you know, cause she's really challenging us on how we, uh, are always thinking ahead and trying to be, to, to, um, be something maybe we're not. And so it was really, it was really great just about being present to who you are and how you think and how you're wired. And really, you know, you can, you can add all kinds of spiritual principles on top of it, even though it wasn't a spiritual book. Um, so those are, those are probably the ones that I am. I feel like there's something else that I've forgotten, but those are, those are the ones that come to mind right now. And Rick's other question is what question or idea is rumbling around in your head demanding you take time to think on it? Ah, this is good. I love that question. So I, you know, I think it's the the question that I'm always kind of wrestling with, which is the, um, how do I equip and support leaders? Because I think the challenge of leadership, I mean, it's, it's, it's always a challenge, but I think leadership is becoming more and more demanding and that we're living in a culture that's changing so rapidly you know, I mean, and there are statistics out there right now about this, about how much information we have at our fingertips. We have more information available to us than ever, ever before. Um, we're bombarded with messages. We're bombarded with opportunities. And so as leaders, learning to be discerning about how to, um, what opportunities to chase, what opportunities not to chase, how to lead um, people in a day and an age where they have opportunities abound. And yet at the same time, um, you know, I talked to a lot of younger leaders that, you know, have grown up in a culture where you can have it all, be it all and do it all. And then they get out into the workforce and they don't get every opportunity that they thought they might get and the, the frustration with that. And so I just think there's a lot for leaders right now, um, that we need to, to be wise to, to help lead in this era. And so that's what keeps me up at night because I have such a passion to help equip leaders. It's the, it's the question I'm always wrestling with to answer Rick's question. It is just how, what do leaders need and how do I help equip them with the tools they need to succeed? 
And Lisa Anderson of the nonprofit Grace's Table wants to know, when you're leading and chaos creeps in, how do you take care of yourself, prioritize, mm. and eliminate chaos? So good. These guys asked great questions, didn't they, Joe? <laughs> they do. Um, so I think there's a, there's a, I, I love the spirit of her question because it goes back to that principle that we have to lead ourselves well to lead others better. And I think a lot of times as leaders, we're not paying attention to how it's affecting me. It's like when I was talking about leading in chaos and the importance of we have to understand our own fears and challenges because we've got to face those before we can lead others through them. And so that's the same thing here is that, you know, when there's chaos, when there's craziness going on, Am I, oftentimes I just keep getting busier and busier because there's so much I need to react to, but it, I, I, I need to slow down. And usually my husband's good at this. So usually you need somebody in your life who can help you identify this, but you know, he'll start going, Hey, Jen, you know, have you, have you slowed down? Have you observed things like, um, Sabbath and quiet and, you know, disciplines that when, when things aren't too chaotic, we have those disciplines in our life. But then when things get chaotic, those are the things we take away and they're actually the exact things we shouldn't take away. But it happens to me and I'm sure it happens to most leaders that as soon as I get in a really challenging or difficult situation, the, you know, I quit taking time in the morning to read and reflect. That's personally how I am energized because I'm an introvert by nature. I do best when I can get up and I can spend even 15 minutes just with a cup of tea and scripture or a book and just kind of get some quiet time before I race into my day. Well, when I'm in a really complex or, or problematic season, that can sometimes be the first thing to go. Or I can all of a sudden look up and say, I haven't taken a day off in weeks because I just let things keep creeping in. And so to answer her question, I would say when you have to, you have to know some of those things that are just healthy rhythms in your life. And when those are slipping and you're not, you're not being consistent with those, that's a red flag that, you know, you're, 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 uh, <laughs> kind of just danger ahead, you know, of like, we've got to make sure we're taking time for those things because even those 15 minutes of quiet in a day can radically change you know, how I engage my day. Um, and that, you know, 15 minutes isn't gonna, the world's not gonna fall apart if I'm not present for 15 minutes, you know, and I think sometimes it's healthy for us to recognize that as leaders, that it, it's not all going to crumble when we take a little bit of time to, you know, reconnect ourselves. So I think Lisa will get something out of that. I hope so. I hope it's helpful. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know Lisa personally and yeah, I think she'll take something away. Chester Goat would like to know your thoughts or solutions on the chaos brought on between reorganization and organizational change. When leaders are dealt reorganizational change without input and have to communicate those to their team who have also had no input. Yeah, that's such a challenging question because, I mean, this will happen oftentimes. And I think the spirit of his question, you correct me, Joe, if I'm wrong, but I think the spirit of his question is, as a leader, he's having to lead through an issue that he didn't necessarily get to speak into. And it's challenging to lead through something that is, you know, complex, chaotic, you know, frustrating a number of accounts. And he's got to convince his team to do it, even though he didn't get to speak into it. Is that kind of the spirit of it? That sounds like it to me. And he said hypothetically, right? So he's sending us a hypothetical question. But we've all, I think a lot of us have been there, you know, where 
all of a sudden, I've got to put on the face and lead a team through something that I may or may not totally agree with, but I, but now I have to do it. So, you know, I would encourage that leader in that situation to, you know, go back to their leaders and just say, Hey, can you give me more insight on, you know, why this decision was made, how it was made? I want to support the decision to my team and help lead my team through it, but I want to make sure I can do that with the best integrity I can. And so can you just, you know, equip me with a little more understanding, a little more perspective on how the decision was made, why it was made? Um, there's a way to do that that's respectful, um, that I think is really important to just continuing to open communication lines, uh, with, you know, your leaders who, you know, maybe purposefully or not didn't involve you in that decision making. And, and so, Seek to understand. It goes back to a st- old Stephen Covey principle. Just seek to understand. Do your best to understand why. Um, Simon Sinek talks about start with why. That's one of the, the title, which I think is a brilliant book. So really just trying to understand it to the best that you can, why your leaders made the decision that they made. Then being able to uh, you know, if there's something just like really glaringly wrong that you cannot support, then you have to make a decision about whether you can stay with the organization. So there are occasions where your leaders will make a decision that you do not agree with. It could be that it, you know, is something that lacked integrity or, uh, and there's no acknowledgement of that. I mean, sometimes leaders will make poor decisions and we have to give them some grace and, and move on. Sometimes there are just decisions that we fully cannot agree with and cannot support. And at that point, you have to decide whether you can actually stay and help lead through it. So again, this is the lead yourself well piece of like, so as the leader, you've got to figure out where you are with the issue before you can effectively lead your team. Then you get to the point of, okay, I understand better why my leaders made the decision they made. Might not have even been the decision that I would made. I might not love every part of the way they're handling this. But I can support it, you know, like I can, I can support it because I have to get to that point to be able to lead my team with integrity through the issue. And so, you know, then at that point, then I can go to my team and say, okay, here's the thing. Here's what happened. Here's where the direction we're going. And, you know, I've talked to the leaders, you know, and so we need to, we need to support this. And I want to help us all understand how we, you know, we're going about this, why these changes are made and we're going to, you know, like as a team, we're going to help lead through this in a, in a healthy way. It, you know, that's simplifying it a bit because there's always more complexity in that. But I really think that we have to do everything we can to fully understand. I think we can fill in the gaps with a lot of assumptions sometimes of our leaders and assume they made all these decisions for really stupid reasons. And most of the time, that's not true. Most of the time, there's another piece of the puzzle that we might not have seen. And so if we can understand it better, that will help us lead through it better. Um, and then we've got to be able to, with integrity, lead our staff through it. And even if we can't fully agree on it, but we can, we can at least accept it. Then we, we lead our team through it. Um, but if our team sniffs out that we're giving lip service to it and we're not really embracing it ourselves, it's going to be, it's just going to create divisiveness and that's dangerous. Thanks for taking time to answer those questions from the listeners. Yeah. As we wrap up, there's two questions we've got left. Okay. The first one, I know you're never supposed to ask the lady her age, so I'm not going to ah. ask you. Um, <laughs> it's all right. But what do you wish you would have known about leadership in your 20s? 
Oh, awesome. And I'm not in my twenties anymore. So you're, you're very safe. Um, uh, you know what I wish I would have known? I wish that I would have known earlier that leadership really is all about people. It's not about getting things done. It is, but it's secondary to people because leadership is influence and influence is about changing the power to change or affect someone. And so if we can embrace and embrace early on that leadership is really about people, it's about learning to love and lead people in ways that bring out their best and help them accomplish their best. That's really the essence of leadership. And I think if I had gotten that earlier, I probably wouldn't have been as much of a selfish little punk that I was in my twenties. Like how you put that. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I'm telling you, I, you just don't know it, but uh, you know, I look back at that and think there's a whole lot of people who gave me a lot of grace when I was a young leader. Shall be grateful for that as well, you know, because because we all we all screw up in those kind of ways. Totally, totally. Final question: Is there anything else you'd like to leave with listeners today? You know, I would just encourage all of you that are listening that you have. I actually believe something deeply about all of us that you were made to influence the world in a way that no one else can. And so in the leadership seat that you sit in, there are people around you day in and day out who need you to steward your influence well. They need you to lead well. And I don't say that to like be a burden or this, you know, unbearable responsibility. But I say that to encourage you that there are people in your life that you have influence with that are looking for direction um, from you. And if you can just steward that responsibility with, with great humility, um, you just never know what God is doing in those stories and in the lives of the people around you. And so if you can be faithful to that, steward it well, um, it, there, there are just seeds that God is planting and there's work that he's doing in your life and in the stories of the lives of the people around you that you probably won't reap or see the benefit, if you will, from until decades down the road, but just be faithful to where God has you because there's work that he's doing in you and through you in the lives of the people around you. And I think if we could all embrace that, uh, I think it'd be incredibly powerful. I totally agree with you. And also, if a listener wants to connect with you, how would you like them to connect with you? Yeah, yeah. Um, super simple. My website is jennycatron.com. So that's J-E-N-N-I. C-A-T-R-O-N.com. Um, I, you know, post regularly there, just articles about leadership. Uh, you can also connect with me there. I, I speak at conferences and different events, do staff training events. I consult with churches and nonprofits. Like, so if there's any way that I can be a support or a help to your team or your ministry. I would love to do that. Um, you can subscribe to my, you know, email newsletter every week, which is like one post a week. So it's not, doesn't bombard you. But I love to stay connected to leaders. I love to hear what you're wrestling with, what challenges you're facing. And uh, so connect with you there. And then on all the social media accounts, I'm just Jenny Catron, J-E-N-N-I-C-A-T-R-O-N. So um, so follow along. I'll follow you back. And uh, it would be great to stay connected with everybody. I'll make sure I have those those links linked up in the show notes page. Awesome. Thanks for hopping on the call today, Jenny. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much, Joe. Thanks for all that you're doing to equip leaders. And uh, it was great to great to chat with you and everyone else today. And a big thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to the Answers from Leadership podcast. If you'd like to get the show notes for this episode, go to jmlaloned.com. Until next time, continue to lead well.